Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Hi, welcome to Solo BG. My name is Derek and we're here another night for this uh, podcast, the Solo BG podcast. And this is a very special one because besides of having Mr. Jonathan and Mr. Caleb here with me, we also have the honor of have one of the, you know, very good celebrities about the board game universe, which is Erin Dean. She recently uh, wrote a book, which is called For the Love of Board Games, which is amazing. You should check it out. It had a very successful Kickstarter campaign, and she will tell us in a little bit if it's for sale when we can find it. But Erin, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, we're we're very happy to have you here anytime. You know, this is this is your house. You can just always ring the the bell of Solo BG podcast, and we will open the door gladly. Just be careful because we have some big dogs. You know, a Chihuahua and a Shih Tzu. They bite. Ooh. But we're fine. Okay, so yeah. here, with, here with me, Erin, it's uh, Mr. Jonathan and Caleb. Th- right, thank so you I so guess, much. Yeah, thanks for being here. I guess uh, I'll start with my favorite question for any gamer. I feel like you can tell a lot about a gamer by uh, just hearing about what their favorite games are. So it didn't have to be a, a top five list or a top ten list, but just give us an idea of some of the games that you sort of gravitate toward. So I gravitate towards real-time games. Um, so games like Escape the Curse of the Temple, uh, Captain Sonar, um, Paramedics Clear by Smirk and Dagger Games is a great one, too. I love real-time games. I love the pressure that the clock puts on you and the fact that no one has a turn and everyone's working simultaneously, either competitively or cooperatively. Um, And I just love the the pressure and the heart-poundingness of real-time games. I also really enjoy um, uh, cooperative games. Uh, not necessarily real time. So uh, games like, uh, actually, this is another real time game that's cooperative. But Flatline is one of my all time favorite games. It's designed by Kane Klenko, oh, and yeah. it's published by Renegade Games. Oh, and yeah. it's the sequel to Fuse. Fuse is a dice game. It's a, a cooperative one to po- I think it's one to four player dice game. And basically, in Flatline. Uh, the the bomb has exploded, and now you have to treat all the patients in flatline. So fuse is about diffusing bombs, whereas flatline is if the bomb actually went off, how you're going to treat all those patients. So that's one of my all-time favorite games. I love real-time games. I love other games too, uh, not just real-time games. I have about 150 board games in my collection. So um, you know they're not all real-time, but that's what I gravitate towards. <laughs> Now, it's funny that you mentioned about Fuse because, you know, every time that we try, we're always doing so good until Caleb's always mess it up. So, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 a, that's I, I love the game. I wish we only, you know, Caleb could be as a, as a spectator yeah. instead, of, <laughs> instead of the Come on, Caleb. Come on. What's going on? I think he's deflecting <laughs> selective memory or something. No, but it's, it's a great game. We had a very good time every time we played, right? Yeah, I like that game. It makes me uh, curious to try this flatline if it's sort of a successor to that yeah, Fuse game. We need to get on the table, actually, to try yeah. it. Yeah. All right. All right, Jonathan, what do you got for her? Um, so my first question, um, and part of this is um, I watched your YouTube documentary, The uh, Board Game Boom, and um, I had some questions coming from that, but it kind of talked about the transition of 
games from what they were probably when we were kids and what they are now, and even how the gateway game has kind of changed. Do you think from when you did that video um, where it talked about Settlers of Catan, Ticket to Ride, do you still feel like those are the best gateway games, or has that changed even now where you would have different ones that you would recommend? That's a great question. Um, so just a little background for your listeners. The the Board Game Boom is a documentary I created back in spring of 2017. I did the documentary for a class of mine when I was in a class uh, documentary production at my university. Uh, and I kind of looked at why are board games rising in a digital culture uh, and went into things like, you know, what gateway games are and uh, what they do for the industry and its fans. Um, Ticket to Ride was the game that got me into the industry. I still think it's a great gateway game. Uh, Settlers of Catan is still a great gateway game. Um, I, I rarely get it to the table anymore just cause, because I have so many other great games that I love to play more than Catan, but I still think it's a great gateway game. Um, as far as gateway game go new ones that I would recommend. I would have to say a lot of party games um, are great gateway games in the fact that they bring in new mechanics uh, for casual gamers to try out and maybe, uh, you know, introduce them to. Um, One of my favorites is uh, that just came out last year is just one. Uh, It was, it got, a lot of party game of the year awards, uh, but basically everyone uh, is, it's actually a party game where it's a cooperative, which is unusual. And um, everyone is trying to get the guesser that round to guess the secret word by giving them clues. And the, the catch is, is if you give the same clue as someone else, they cancel out. So you have to try to think outside of the box with your clue and not necessarily pick the most obvious uh, clue. Um, so that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, uh, gosh, I'm like blanking on all my games right now. I have over 150 and all of a sudden I can't think of any of the titles. Uh-huh. Uh, but I really enjoy um, Treasure Island is another one I love to bring out. It's from It came out last year. It was probably in my top three of last year. Um, and it's it's great because it's it has a really uh, good theme that people can gravitate towards, like treasure hunting, you know. Uh, and what's awesome about it is that there are not too many rules, and it's a game where it's a one versus all game. So there's a ga- there's a player that plays as Long John Silver, who is the pirate that hid the treasure, and everyone else are other pirates trying to find the treasure before Long John Silver gets out of prison. So Long John Silver is giving clues to the other players where it's at, but sometimes they have the ability to bluff. So um, it's a very interesting game. You actually draw on the board to search. uh, And it's like it's it's a it's it's a type of material where you can uh, wipe it off like it's dry erasable. Um, But it's super fun game. Everyone I brought it out to loves it. Um, including my parents who are not the biggest gamers. So I would say those are my top two picks as far as big groups go. And um, Treasure Island goes up to five players. Okay. Well, now, Erin, now that we know about you and, you know, the the games that you recommend us and the games you play, I would like to ask you before we jump into the book, 
Uh, you know, our, our mainly uh, idea of the podcast is uh, for the people that we play or we focus in games uh, cooperative or that they play solo, you know. Um, we usually also try to uh, talk about games that they are competitive, but somehow they have a, found a fan version or a fan mode or a fan creation or an official expansion on, that allows those games to play solo. In your case, uh, have, do you ever, uh, you know, you play any solo games? Do you enjoy them or, or what is your, your experience on that aspect of the gaming, I guess? I have played a few games solo. It's not necessarily what I normally do because I have a board game night that I go to twice a week uh, where it's usually about eight of us and we split into two groups, um, four and four. Um, but I have played a few games solo. One is Wingspan. It just came out uh, by oh, Stonemeyer Games. I wouldn't say that's the one from Jamie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Jamie. Um, Jamie's in the same town as me. We're both located in St. Louis. Oh, okay. um, so I was actually able to get the game a little quicker than other people because it shipped out of St. Louis, which was nice. Oh, look at you, St. Louis people. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so that was one. And then the other one I really, really like to play solo is Railroad Inc., which came out last year. It's a roll and write game. It's kind of like almost a SimCity type theme where you're you're building railroads and roads and you're trying to connect exits. And I, I played it probably over 20 times just by myself. Cause I just, I find it like it's a very fun puzzly type game that I can enjoy um, and play in a matter of 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah. Solo. Solo. Okay. Well, have you, have you tried any, like one of, you know, the most, I guess the most famous uh, solo games are on the, solo board gaming groups and uh niche is always like robinson crusoe um now uh, manchester madness friday Re friday recently gloomhaven uh the dungeons and dragons series of board games that they came out like 2012 13 15 17 i think you know those are the main games or arkham horror recently also the card game uh eldritch horror have you ever had a chance to play any of those let's call it like epic epic or bigger games as a solo or not as a not as a solo. I've played some of the ones you listed, like Mansions of Madness and Arkham Horror, uh, but I haven't played them with the solo variant. So I'm sure it would be a different experience uh -huh. um, that you know I could probably you know enjoy. Um, but usually, uh, I'm lucky to have my gaming group here in St. Yeah. Louis, where I don't um, solo game as much as I could. Yeah. Um, but yes, I have heard of a lot of the games you mentioned. All right. So now that, that we talk a little bit about games, I think it's it's good to bring now the, the book, which is uh, an amazing uh, piece of work that you create. And uh, I will try to read the you know the description of the book. I hope I don't do any mistakes with my accent. But for the love of board games, it's a book that explored how modern popular board games were created by interviewing the designers behind the games. Stories in this book come from some of the industry's biggest board game designers. Matt Leacock, Jamie Stigmeyer, which we mentioned a little bit, uh, Bruno Catala, Richard Garfield, uh, Reiner Nicia, and many others. Every chapter features a different board game designer and discusses not only the inspiration behind the game they designed, but how they started playing board games and got involved in the industry. Designers will also reveal stories about board games they design but never publish. Readers will discover the fun facts and challenges behind some of their board favorite board games. For the love of board games, it's a must-have gift for tabletop gamers of all ages, and is written by you, Erin Dean, 
And I have a release date for the market uh, besides the Kickstarter campaign uh, for March 3, 2019. Um, so what can you tell us, Ms. Erin Dean, about the, what I just read and, <laughs> and the date of uh, release? Well, thank you so much for reading that long description on the back of the book. Uh, did, I, did I did good with my accent, or did I, you I did? Know. You did. Uh, you knocked it out of the park. Um, English one point oh, baby. You see that? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so. so the book, uh, like you said, was on Kickstarter. Uh, went from August to September. It ran for thirty days, and we ended up raising uh, close to sixty thousand dollars on Kickstarter. It was um, we raised fifty six thousand dollars. Oh, well, that's that's very successful. You know, that's great. Yeah, we were super happy with it. I started writing the book back in February of last year and launched it six months later. So it was a pretty quick project when you think about it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was super fun getting to talk to these designers, which are like celebrities to me in the industry and getting to interview them sometimes via Skype, sometimes via email, others through the phone. Um, but it was just awesome connecting with them, interviewing them. And, you know, connecting over what we have in common, which is board games. Yeah. So I do have a question about sort of the setting up the you know task of meeting all these celebrities, like you mentioned. Uh, at least in my experience, you know, I've been in gaming for a few years now. It seems like it's a very friendly industry, uh, you know, going to conventions and talking to the designers. They seem very open to talking to their fans and. Uh, you know, again, like you mentioned, there's celebrities in our eyes, but probably, you know, in their day to day life, they don't get that celebrity treatment. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that makes it easy, you know, easier to do a project like this. Did you find people were very open to interviewing you or letting you interview them and, uh, you know, willing to talk freely? Yeah. Um, everyone I talked to pretty much was super, super, you know, inviting and welcome for questions and are open to questions. And uh, it was honestly, you know, a pretty smooth process. Uh, the hardest part about it was kind of digging for their contact info for a few of them. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them, I reached out to them via board game geek and their user name, and I just send them a direct message through there. Others have personal websites that have a contact form. Others I got through, okay, I interviewed this designer. Hey, do you know any of these other designers I'm trying to contact? And they would, uh, you know, hand me off their contact information with their permission. So that was the hardest part of it was the scheduling and kind of tracking down of, you know, um, emails, I should say. Um, but otherwise, you know, very smooth process. You're, I think you, you, you know, um, hit the nail on the head when you said that because they're not seen as celebrities in their day to day, you know, activities, it's yeah. like they're a lot more inviting and, uh, you know, and they're used, they're not necessarily, you know, hounded by people all the time. Um, but yeah, no, uh, super, super inviting uh, community as far as the designers go. All right. So now Jonathan has a few questions. Um, so my question's more about the process and using Kickstarter. Um, I think all three of us have had experience using Kickstarter to get board games. Um, but I was just kind of curious what your experience was like. And if, you know, if you were to do it again, would you still do it through Kickstarter or do you think there's a better process um, for going about getting published like that? I absolutely would use Kickstarter again uh, for future projects. Um, 
now's the now's the time that I may partner up with someone who could handle over all the logistics. I myself had to, you know, uh, man- manage the relationship with the printer, manage the relationship with the shipper, manage the relationship with uh, CrowdOx and fulfillment and customer support. So I was doing everything pretty much uh, and managing everything and it'd be nice to partner up with someone where some of that can be taken off my plate and I can focus more on content creation. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, you know, Kickstarter I think is an awesome platform for board game projects, you know, um a ton of projects have been funded via Kickstarter. It's made the the industry in my opinion um boom. Uh, because more and more people are able to get games out because of Kickstarter, and they they don't necessarily have to go the publisher route. They can just self-publish like I did, whether that's books or board games or anything, and um, kickstart their you know project. And um, I would 100% use Kickstarter again. I think um, I built up an audience on there who for people who want board game books. And, um, you know, stay tuned for more books from me and I, I'll definitely be use kick, be using Kickstarter again. And then I had um, one more question, um, you know, more specifically in the book. So um, just reading through, you know, the list of all the designers that you talked to, did you have like a favorite interview that stood out to you or a favorite t- chapter um, overall when, once you went through that process that, you know, that was kind of your favorite out of the book? Yeah, so I really enjoyed um, de- or interviewing Evan Derrick from Van Ryder Games. They're located in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. And uh, I just loved his interview because a lot of his, uh, well, his one specific design that I talked to him about, Detective City of Angels, which was a game that was on Kickstarter a while back, Um he just told me the inspiration behind it and the story behind that game is just so neat. Um, how it came to be, um, basically him and his wife were at dinner, their car got broken into while they were into the restaurant and Evan being super husband decides to, you know what? I'm going to retrace the steps of the robber and think like a robber and get into the mind of the thief and try to find what that he stole because the robber stole, um, his wife's sketchbook art bag and okay. his wife's, his wife's an artist and she was super devastated at the fact that her book, her bag was stolen with her art sketchbook in it. Wow. So he ends up, he ends up taking some turns and like, okay, the robber probably wouldn't have gone this way. Cause there's a lot of lights over there. And he ends up finding his wife's bag ditched in a dumpster, like a mile away. Um, and he created Detective City of Angels because he wanted people to be able to get into this, get into um, the they want the game basically is a detective game. So he wanted people to be able to have that feeling of feeling like a detective and solving crimes. And that was the main inspiration behind the game. And I thought that was a super cool story. Yeah, it, it is actually. Now we can say like it's based on a true story, you know, like the movies and everything. I mean, it's right. I, I was just listening to the story, and it's amazing. I mean, how yeah. how everything got, you know, uh, how everything evolved, and it's it's now, I guess, for all you listeners, 
it's a more motivation to get that game, you know, because now it's like, for me personally, I love, you know, when I see a movie that is based on true story uh, or a TV show or, or even a book or something. Um, and well, if that's the case for the games, why not, right? We need to try. It's like one of my favorite games that is not for all people uh, is This War of Mine. Uh, and I like the fact that I know it's probably not based completely on a true story, but it's based in a true events of, you know, civil wars. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that gives a plus for the game, you know? Yeah, it was just, I thought his story was super interesting. And a lot of designers came up with their games from super cool inspirations, okay. you know? Um, and that's what, what my favorite part about the interviews were, was figuring out how did you come up with the idea for this game? Like, how did that theme get into your head or, you know, and Evan's story in particular was very interesting to me. Now, now that, now that, now that we're talking about designers and this is the interview that you, you, that you were saying that probably is one of the most that you enjoy most, I'm sorry, during your whole process of writing the book. Do you have uh, any particular, like a favorite designer? Of course they all great, you know, but like, one particular designer that you said, like, you know what, like, like for the majority of the people, I will say that one of the biggest stars is Eric Lang. You know, it's like one of the most famous and everybody around conventions, at least us that we are here, uh, based located in Indianapolis, you know, we are very lucky that we have the Gencon here. Uh, and whenever, well, the chance that I've been, the opportunity that I've been, been on the Gencon, uh, I have noticed and I have seen that everybody's, you know, trying to look for Eric Lang all the time. Um, that is one of the most, the top of the most famous right now. Jamie Stigmeyer also has been coming now, like one of the biggest stars competing that on that um, top. Even the Sadler brothers, they, they, the Street Master designers, they're getting more popular every time. Uh, which one is, in, in your opinion, is your, like, in your experience, better say, like, as a gaming, now that you said that you get uh, twice per week to play with a group of eight uh, gamers, and which which one do you think is, like, one of the top, you know, for you and for your group, like, best designers, or, or that they create the games that you enjoy more? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say if I ha if I made a list, which I have my board game geek collection list, if if I looked at all the games in my collection, I'd probably at most have a designer's game game designs maybe four or five times. You know, um I don't I don't necessarily have a favorite designer, but I really do um like Kane Klenko's designs. He does a lot of work with Renegade games, uh, with Fuse and Flatline, and he has a new game coming out called Slap It uh, later this year. Um, I really like his designs. I really like Bruno Cathala's uh, designs, Five Tribes and King Domino and uh, a lot of his other designs. Um, so those would probably be my two top designers if I had to pick. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Renegade games, they, they made very cool games, huh? One of our favorites for the for the gaming nights is you sometimes Clank. All the versions mm -hmm. of Clank are published by Renegade, and I believe no Downforce is not by Renegade. No, no, I'm that's a uh, that's a uh, restoration game. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You know, you know. Sometimes we do a little <laughs> bit. Of, yeah, yeah, it was like a, it was like a joke for the. For the go, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Caleb, you have some questions for Aaron. Yeah. So Aaron, I know uh, your gamers tend to always look for the future with Cult of the New and like what's coming out. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to be uh, concerned with what you have next. Are you ever looking to, de to design your own game? Are you, do you have another project uh, like this book, like a sequel? Or what's, what's next for you? Well, first so, of all, it will we'll be good to know when this uh, book is going to be released for everybody. Because I want to say that I, I, I mentioned it on the, on the last episode of, of the podcast. I believe I saw it on, on a miniature market. 
but I don't I'm not I don't know if I'm correct I mean it's it's already uh, like on the outside for sale or or it's going to be released until March so yeah it is available f- because miniature market was my shipping partner they shipped out all the books they bought some books themselves that they're selling uh, which you can buy currently uh, as this episode is airing. Uh, it's still available for sale uh, at miniaturemarket.com. Uh, okay. You can also buy directly through me at this point uh, on my website for the love of board games.com. Um, and so there are two ways to get the book currently. Um, okay. And I'm looking at more distribution options to get it out even further. Um, okay. thing, things are in the work, uh, works, but, um, yeah, those are the two places you can get the book currently. Uh, as far as future projects go, I have more books planned for sure about board games. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I just had a huge phone call today about one, um, that I'm really excited about. Uh, if you want the, to be the first one to know about it, definitely join my Facebook group for the love of board games dash book on okay. Facebook. Uh, if you want to be the first to kind of start getting the teasers and uh, the new information about this book. And then as far as game designs go, I am working on a few games very casually, nothing super serious. Um, I'm working on a game. That's a holiday game uh, where you have 10 minutes to save Christmas and okay as long as caleb doesn't play it's fine you know we will save it (laughs) yeah so um that's that's a one to six player game uh where you play as these acorn like creatures called treetles and basically this crazy bird called a wackadoo stole the christmas tree star off the tree Santa's on his way. There's a blizzard. You have to quickly get all the star points back on the tree before Santa arrives so he can see the town and deliver presents. Oh, that's cool. So that's that design. Uh, It's a family cooperative game uh, that's real time. And the other game I'm working on that's very, very new and rough is I want to create a... uh, It's a game called Face the Music, That'll be a cooperative music writing game uh, where you're actually at the end of the game. You'll have a completed song you can play and listen to. Oh, that's, a great oh, idea. that's great. So, so, so now, now it's going to be you're thinking about a ba- uh, uh, based on an app or something. So my hope is, is that at the end of the, the you know, I'm playing around with some different me- mechanisms, real okay. time, roll and write some different things. I don't know which way I'm going to go yet, but my hope is, you know, there's software out there now where you can scan music sheets and Mm -hmm. you would be able to, at the end of this game, scan your music sheet and listen back to the the song you created in the game. Oh, that's, that's super neat. That's great. So, so that's something I'm working on. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if it'll be a Kickstarter thing or pitching to publishers. Um, I don't know which route I'm going to go with yet, and I'm still working on both designs, but those are my two designs. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, more books on the way. Uh, yeah. Game designs, yeah. working on, you know, very casually, nothing super serious. Um, but, yeah, those are that's kind of what's new for me. And then if you guys didn't know, um, one of the big, big things I'm working on this year is I am founding the National Board Game Museum 
I know about that. I was going to. You just read my mind. Dang it! I was going. (laughs) Don't do. Don't you ever interviewer to stole questions from his their mind. I was going to ask him about the music. Darn it! Darn it! Darn it! Yeah. I don't don't remember where I saw it. I don't remember if it was in the solo board games group or the board game geek group or somewhere on Facebook, of course. I saw it, and even I remember telling my wife, you know, there's there's gonna be a museum, and I believe it's in Missouri and all that stuff. and a national board game museum. And then I was like, you know, I thought it was a very original idea. And I started to think about the places and all that stuff. And and then when, you know, when I reached out to you for the interview and everything, uh, I saw on your Facebook that you were also the, the I believe it says the owner of the the national board game museum. And that's, well, I, I had I had two more questions for you before, you know, we go to Darn again. it. Oh, the interview, but you're still one of that. the questions. So please ask yourself and go ahead and answer yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I messed that up, didn't I? No. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so one of the big things I'm working on in 2019 is I'm trying to get off the ground this museum. Um, last summer, I was doing some research and I was like, man, I wonder if there's any board game museums in the United States that I can go and visit, you know? And yeah. I didn't really come up with much. Uh, and I was like, someone needs to do this. Someone needs to exhibit board games and preserve exactly. board games yeah. Yeah. and showcase the industry. And I was like, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I, um, I'm co-founding the museum with Sky Carlisle, uh, who is uh, runs board game websites and does a lot of marketing for the industry. Okay. And. I'm co-founding the museum with him, and then I also have a board of directors um, that I'm forming with industry, um, a lot of industry professionals I can't name at this time, but um, we're going to have our first board meeting very soon, and we're going to start, you know, hopefully working on fundraising and getting nonprofit status for the museum and a lot of different things, and eventually, you know, hopefully we can start looking at locations and a, a physical space. Yeah. So, um, if you want more information about that, definitely go to boardgamemuseum.org. You can sign up for our mailing list to get all the updates. We also are on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and our, our uh, handle is Museum for Games. Museum F-O-R Games. Okay. So, and the other question that I had, I hope you didn't steal it for me, uh, <laughs> is <laughs> oh, that no. now, now that we were talking about that uh, cool idea about the game, of the, you were mentioning the other project that you have in mind about the Facebook song. Uh, and we were talking about all this software that I feel like they have been, you know, uh, incorporating into the board game industry. And I believe they all start with XCOM, the board game, uh, you know, like the app based games. when in some uh, uh, cases it works like kind of the dungeon master for the game, depending on the game that you're playing, of course, like even Fuse, the one that we mentioned a few times during the podcast, it has the app that it will, that is a timer. On the, mm-hmm. You can use it on a cell phone, laptop, iOS, Android, however you want to do it. Uh, what do you think about those? Um, because it's, it's been a lot of controversy recently, especially on the fo- and the Facebook groups, like on the solo board gaming groups and board game gig and all, all those sites, about if, it's, if it takes away the basics or the idea of a board game. And other people think, well, you know, it's not. It, it, all the contrary adds more. Uh, I guess accessibility for everybody, and you know, it, there's it's all this controversy about if the board game is turning more to a video game because of the app uh, incorporation. What do you think about that? That's a really good question. Um, so 
I think if an app enhances the board game, it's totally cool. Like, I play Stop Thief, which is by Restoration Games, and that's totally kind of run through an app. You're doing everything on the board, but where the robber goes is run through the app, uh, which I think is super handy. Uh, and in some cases, it makes sense to have an app, a special timer, a, you know, something like Stop Thief, like I mentioned. There's a game that's coming out later this year called U-Boot, where you use uh, your, uh, it's like a submarine war game, and you use your phone as like the binoculars about seeing the enemy submarines coming in. A game that came out this year uh, that uses VR and your phone is Chronicles of Crime. I think that was a super innovative game. Oh, yeah. Uh, And as long as we're not losing that board game you know, board and the cards and the physical components. I still think it's a board game. You know, maybe my mind will change later on if we go too far technology wise, but I think it's okay to enhance board games with, you know, technology. And sometimes, you know, maybe I'm not in the mood for that and I just want to play with physical components and play with pieces and not worry about my phone because it's dead or something, you know, that's cool too. But I don't, I don't shy away from games with apps. All right. So with all these uh, projects you've got going on, are you planning on having any kind of uh, uh, presence at, like, I don't know, uh, BGG Con or any, any of the uh, Gen Con board game conventions? It seems like you have a lot to offer the community, and uh, is that something you're planning to do? So I, I definitely will be at Gen Con. Uh, I don't know whether I'll be partnering with someone on a booth or have my own, or it'll most likely be a partnership of sorts. But I'll definitely be at Gen Con this year. Um, I don't know exactly what my plate will look like, but um, definitely I think I want to start, you know, going to more conventions in the future years, um, including this year. The only convention I've ever gone to is Gen Con for the past two years. So mm-hmm. convention life is new for me. Uh, but I really enjoy it, and I definitely want to get myself out there more uh, into the community and meeting people who have read my book and just sharing uh, what I've, you know, done with the world of, you know, in the community. So definitely um, I plan on being at Gen Con this year. I'll be at Geekway to the West this year, which is the biggest St. Louis board game convention, uh, which brings in about 3,000 to 5,000 people. Um so it's not as big as Gen Con, but um, it's my local convention. So uh, I'm going yeah. to that one. But so that's um, yeah, that's uh, I you, definitely. You're going to be busy on this year. <laughs> I am. Um, I recent the book has allowed me to go full time at home. Okay. Um, and with these projects, I I do have a part time job where I work for Lucky Duck Games uh, as their social media manager, but All mostly right. my uh, my you know, my work life is working from home and working on these future projects and planning for these future Kickstarters. Well, that sounds great, Erin. And we really had a great time talking to you today. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for a, an episode of Solo BG. We already we were checking out, right, as we were talking, the board game museum, the National Board Game Museum.org uh, website that you give us. And we're looking forward to know more about that project, too. Also about your side projects, the board games. Thank you for the spoilers alert, <laughs> and uh, and you know thank you for for sharing that those projects with us too. We're looking forward to you know to keep talking to you. I'm pretty sure the listeners also will be very interesting and keep knowing about all these projects. And you know hopefully hopefully we can do it we can do it again in the near future. Who knows 
probably we can we can meet at Gen Con or something this year and and have a talk and you know talk more about about games and and probably record something while we're playing on who knows we can do something on the future definitely i think there's going to be a lot of new projects um from me that will happen later this year and i'd love to come back to solo bg sometime and talk more about it but um thank you, thank you so thank you so much for having me this was awesome it was nice talking to you all and i appreciate it no thank you so much and you know thank you for for uh reading my mind and stealing my question, you know, it was... <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, for real life, actually, uh, Caleb here, um, he's a uh, real, real, I'm not, I always joke on the episodes, but um, Caleb, it's a real professional uh, magician. Actually, uh, if you if you go to YouTube and look for Caleb Wiles, and there's a, this, this, this famous TV show, what is it called, where you were in Vegas? Uh, Penn and Teller's Fool Us. Penn and Teller's Fool Us. If you go over there and check for Caleb Wiles, he was there on that show, or even if you if you check on YouTube, uh, you will see all his well a lot of his performances that on the on the trips that he does to he has been in Canada and around the country doing magic. So he's actually a a, a magician, <laughs> you know, official. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, but you know, that's very cool. But the, the downside of that is that every time that we play that involves either cards or dice or even like any kinds of material oh, no. that plays with gravity. Um, <laughs> He always cheat, and you know, and, and so oh, that, that, that's the that's the downside of being of having a magician friend that plays board games with you. This is what a sore loser sounds like. <laughs> yeah. so I, yeah. I'm kind of getting that vibe a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> See, she's a mind reader. She yeah. knows. Hey, don't go against the Mexican dude. All righty. So, Erin, thank you so much for bringing us, Jonathan. Would you like to say goodbye to Erin, Dean, of course? Yeah, and you know, if, um, once you're in town for Gen Con, it'd be nice to meet up with you. Yeah, and, you sure. know, talk Definitely. again where you are, you know, in August. Yeah. Definitely. That sounds awesome. All right. Thank you, Erin. And, and don't forget, uh, all you over there, ladies and gentlemen, to check For the Love of Board Games, the book. Like Erin says, you can uh, look for it right now on minatunmarket.com or on her website if you want to get it directly from her, which probably will be the, the best uh, way to do it, you know, more personal. And um, and who knows, probably we will have some surprises in the future uh, regarding the book here on Solo BG2. And thank you so much for listening. Please uh, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for us at Solo BG Podcast. And you can also, if you're hearing in iTunes, you can go to Spotify and check it out. Or if you're in Spotify, you can go to iTunes and check it out too. And please uh, give us a five star over there and write whatever you want to write over there, like comments. What do you think about my accent? What do you think about the show? What do you think about Caleb, Jonathan? And of course, Miss Erin Dean, which is just a great person. Thank you so much. And for all of you, remember. For victory. Go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop. Mm -hmm.